When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and my guest is Prentice Penny. He's the executive producer and showrunner for Insecure, which stars Issa Rae. After five seasons, the HBO show will come to a close when the series finale airs on Sunday, December 26th. This interview was recorded over the internet, so please forgive any audio weirdness. Well, I guess the first thing, obviously, the reason we're talking is Insecure. Uh, you have a lot of different hats in the show. You're an executive producer, a writer, a director, and showrunner. But before I get to any of that, I just want to acknowledge that we're recording this the day after uh, Golden Globe Award nominations were announced and Issa Rae was nominated for Insecure. Congratulations. Yes. And obviously, the show has been nominated before and won many awards like the Peabody, Critics' Choice, NAACP Awards, and multiple Emmys. What does that kind of recognition mean to you? You know, I always have a, like a weird relationship to award shows for specific reasons. Um, but obviously those things, they probably mattered to me more, I think, before I started working on the show. Uh, <laughs> now I know what goes into getting them in some capacity. So I'm a little less enamored with them in certain ways. I'm more moved, I think, by just how the culture responds to our show. That is like, you can't fake that. You can't like buy that. You can't campaign for that. That is literally the people who you are making this show for seeing the impact it has on their lives. And I think that has meant more to me uh, than I think anything else. But as a fan of the show and your work and some of the other stuff you've done, um, it's really fun with <laughs> the things you like get an award. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you of the awards, I think the Peabody is the most, the one I love the most be just because it's a writing award that everybody who's voting on the Peabody, which I didn't realize until we got this, it has to be a hundred percent unanimous across the board. There can't be one dissenting vote. Otherwise you don't win. And I was like, wow, that's to get a hundred, to get a hundred percent agree on anything is just impossible in America. So the fact that like, that's what it takes to win a Peabody award and being a writer to, for me to get the highest award, I feel like you could get in writing from, from, from that kind of body to me is so um, impressive. So you know that, that, I'm super proud of that. I hadn't realized you guys had won a Peabody, but uh, that is such a prestigious award, especially yeah. out of all of them. And obviously, as I mentioned before, you have a lot of different hats you wear in the show. Um, as someone who's not in show business, I, I well, I, I say this because I, I'm asking this question and I don't want to sound like I'm being an ass, but yeah. like, what exactly do you do as a showrunner, like sure. uh, specifically on Insecure? Yeah, I would say like the closest thing I always say I can compare it to is the same way like a director in a movie or the way a CEO of a company is, right? So um, you're kind of overseeing everything. So literally my job, uh, 
from the from the beginning of the season is to Issa and I sit together and kind of talk thematically about what we want to see, ideas we have. Um, then we sort of sit there. So so my job might entail hiring all the writers, hiring all the directors, hiring the entire crew, um, like production designer, DPs, editors, that um, sitting with the writers, crafting the stories, breaking the episodes, writing them, rewriting them, being on set, giving notes to actors, casting actors, being involved in the music, the wardrobe, um, the edits, uh, like literally everything that you see in the show from like kernel of an idea till the final credit is the showrunners like responsible for all of that. How do you handle all of that? It sounds <laughs> immensely stressful. And is that any other part of the reason this show is coming to an end after five seasons? Mostly, mostly, uh, joking, mostly, joking, mostly joking. No, but some of that is tr true. I mean, obviously it's a lot of work, but it's super rewarding in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Issa and I realized season one, I would say that was the reason, but we were making season one. We sort of looked at each other and was like, how long do we want to do this? Like, you know, just in terms of the way, because we had, we had started to see like what the stories could be. We were starting to make this show and getting a sense of like how much it takes to craft this show specifically. And we both sort of said at the same time, five, five seasons. And um, it just felt right. Like I think four would have felt too short and six would have felt like we we're overstaying our welcome for some reason. And, um, and you know, you have to remember, like, she she was living with the show, you know, six years before I came on. You know, she had created the web series. You know, she had done two seasons of that, obviously. And then she had developed a show for two years at HBO. So, you know, this Insecure has been over a decade's worth of work from Awkward Black Girl till now, you know. And so at a certain point, you know, she has other things she wants to try and do and grow out of um, and, and grow as a as an actor and as a as a producer and as a writer. So it certainly felt like the right amount of time. Um, so even though it's difficult, it's easy because I have so many people that I can lean on in all the best ways. I remember I first heard of Insecure. You go like Insecure is uh, Issa Rae, Issa Rae is Insecure. Uh, you talked a little bit about your relationship. How has that changed or grown over the past five years? Um, oh, so many ways. I mean, you know, when Issa first started, she had never done any of this before. I mean, obviously she had done it in for Awkward Black Girl, but I mean, in terms of like in a bigger way, you know, it's like you have a crew of, you know, 300 plus people, you're hiring writers, you're trying to craft out episodes, you know, you're writing things that are no longer going to be like five or six minute webisodes, you're writing like full on art out, you know, 28 minute stories. And so, um, and then you're editing them and, and, and giving, you know, working with directors in different ways. Right. And so for that, I feel like it was like, she hadn't done any of that. So it was like imparting a lot of that knowledge onto her in terms of just how to like make those things happen. And I think in just like anything, like I always say, like when my kids could learn to make cereal on Saturday mornings, it was a like game changer in terms of not having to like be up with them. And Issa's so smart and so brilliant that like, she just soaked everything up and then like, she could free me up to now go tend to this over here, right? Or like, go go handle this. Just her learning more, us having our own relationship, trusting each other more, being more in the trenches with each other, and just having, being almost like one brain, having like, we knew what the other was thinking kind of without having to say it, um, just became, it just became, it made the show smoother, which as the stakes get higher, right? That's a good thing. No, and uh, the other thing is we we know that a lot of the show is drawn off her life or there or it, it parallels some of the things she's experienced. And how do you handle that as someone who's, that's not your life in one sense, um, but it, it seems very vulnerable. And like, how do you add your own voice to it as well? 
I would say the show is like, it's not like a verbatim thing or it's not really even like a, this is so precious. Issa was never precious about it, you know, cause she had to go act it. So she was always, she'd be, but when you were in the room, she was always pitching as a writer, but then in a great way, all the writers were like that, right? We were all giving very personal ideas and sharing very personal stories about our lives um, in the room. And so when you're doing that, you, you're obviously trying to handle all of those stories with great love and care, right? But then also free to rip them apart <laughs> as you need to, to like tell the best story too, right? So, so I, I would say like less about story, I had that preciousness with Issa. I would say where I had the preciousness with Issa was that this, this show is her baby and I never wanted to get in the way of what she wanted to do with it. I would say like my North Star was making sure that she could walk away from the show being like, I got to do this show exactly how I wanted to do it. And Prentice was nothing but helping me achieve that and giving everything to go. Cause this wasn't, HBO didn't buy my show. They bought her show, right? If, if, if our show was Jesus, Issa is Mary, I'm Joseph. Like it's not, I didn't impregnate you with, with this baby, but I am tasked to like help you raise it, right? And because I, you know, it's special. So I, that was always my, that was always my, like, I was like, I'm the best, I'm the only father this show knows like on its feet, right? And so I'm gonna be the best stepfather in the world. Uh, and I love this child like it's my own and I, I, I did. I want to go back though because over five seasons you've had uh like over like five years and five seasons uh i'm sure there's stuff that were stories or ideas you guys had that didn't make it into the show are there ones that you were surprised that did or ideas that you guys had that you're like there's no way this is gonna work and it ended up being epic i don't know if there were th i mean there were definitely subject matter that we were like sp specifically early on in the first season about race that we were like hbo is not gonna let us say this <laughs> about white people they're not gonna let us like get away with this and they would and uh i remember one time the only thing that i remember the only time we ever got like any kind of pushback they were great partners was we had come up with one story where they were, i remember earlier they were like they were like let us into the window and and uh it was a it was an episode where molly we kind of did a version of it season two but it was an episode where molly was trying to like talk to her like white work husband about the difference between how she has to tap dance and how he has to tap dance. And HBO was like, we think you might open this window. <laughs> I think it got too real. <laughs> but, and we just did like a scaled down version of it uh, later. But, um, but other than that, no, I, I don't know if there were, th I think, I think there were episodes we were nervous about in terms of like, can we pull this off? Like the Coachella episode, because it was so big. So I think that was the episode we were maybe nervous about pulling off, but obviously super excited about, but we're like, is this gonna work? And it did, cause it just, but it just took so much to film. I mean, normally we film an episode over like six days and that one took 12, um, just because <laughs> of the scope of it. So, That's still impressive though for that episode. Yeah, no, I mean, but you, but you gotta think it's like, it's like 28 minutes of a story. So it's like, that's a lie. That's a, that's like a drama show. So we stopped trying to guess what like people are going to respond to um, and just try to be honest and just try to tell the best stories possible. And cause you just don't know, you just don't know. 
I think something striking about all the episodes is the, the look of the show, the way it's filmed. Could you speak a little bit to how that came about? And is there like a style guide for, the, for Insecure? Yeah, I mean, that's all Melina Matsukis. I mean, that's all her genius of like coming on board and saying like, I think we can elevate the way like a sitcom looks, right? Because I think, and even, you know, I think on HBO, like even to that point, like most of the shows, at least the half hour shows are pretty bright are pretty like, you know, very like poppy. Like if you think about shows like Entourage or Veep or Silicon Valley or Curb or, you know, even Sex in the City, it's all very like, you know, everything's well lit. Everything's like kind of has that vibe. And I think Melina smartly was like, we can like give this some edge and still be funny. Like we can make it cinematic. Our goal is like, you know, cause you have a show that's like really small in scope, right? It's just about like, two black women and like, like Lamert Park, right? It's a very like small specific neighborhood um, and different than like Entourage when you like, oh, we know we're gonna be in LA and we know we're gonna be around like Lamborghinis and Beverly Hills and Malibu and the Hollywood Hills. You can understand how like that's gonna feel like glitzy and this and we're in like a world that's just like not that life of LA, right? And so, but Melina was like, how can we do that? And so she just wanted, wanted to push that vibe, right? And um, and they were just so right. It was just so beautiful. And then as a style guy, one of the things that Melina always set up was this idea of like, how to use moments in the show to feel it, to feel the insecurity. And it would always be where like the framing is like slightly, where there's like a lot of negative space in one side of the frame. But you can feel the framing being very specific and intentional in those moments on Insecure, right? And so using transitions as almost like slice of life, like, you know, moving, almost like moving steel frames as like ways to transition into worlds was kind of a thing that Melina established early on that that obviously is so great. And it was always when characters are sort of feeling vulnerable or insecure. The history of TV and TV shows, there's always been the challenge of how to end a show. Yeah. especially one that is beloved. And as you guys are approaching season five, how did you go about bringing Insecure to a stopping place where there are other shows you're like, oh, we liked how that show ended. Like, what's our version of that? Or like, we did not like how that show ended. <laughs> I think of another HBO show, uh, Sopranos. People are like, yeah. what? You know, that is a very divisive yeah. ending. So how did you approach that for Insecure? Yeah, we, I mean, obviously the, that show came up in the room. Game of Thrones came up in the room. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. people, the whole last uh, season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'll, just, like, I'll say e that because I don't work for HBO. <laughs> yeah, like e Eastbound and Down. Like all those shows that are deep, all those shows um, that pe people have, you know, strong opinions about. So for us, it was a lot of pressure. We had, we wrote like three different versions of a finale and none of them felt right um, and I think we were just putting a lot of pressure on like, how do we land the plane? How do we land the plane? How do we land the plane? And I think what one of our EPs, Amy Aniobi, was smart about, she just said, I think like we're thinking about this the wrong way. Like if we were, it's not that we're going to like land the plane, the, these characters' lives theoretically will always continue. It's just, we're not going to follow them anymore. So mm -hmm. like, if we were, it's just like, we're not landing the plane. It's just, we're going to jump out, but they're going to keep going on their journey. So she was like, where would we want to start them? If we were doing season six, what would be an interesting starting place for season six? So maybe that's where we end five. And that just became such a giant light bulb for us. So that just kind of freed us up and it kind of made the finale kind of clear cut. Okay, and so uh, there's the finale and then there's also Insecure colon The End. Yes. And uh, so that's kind of like a documentary looking at the show and in the trailer for that, there's a line that says, uh, this show has been part of the revolution. 
The way you showcase our beautiful black full humanity is part of the revolution. Let's go and reach to the sky, baby. Buy a ticket for the ride, baby. That's a wrap. Can you explain that a little bit? And also, revolutions are usually followed by evolution. What do you think that after five seasons of Insecure, that its impact will have as evolving this kind of show or evolving um, our culture, especially for TV shows and film? Yeah, um, that line is from a, a poem and a speech that Kendrick, who plays Nathan, gave on the last day. A lot of times, like revolutions, obviously, if you're thinking about it in a political sense, or that it like take something over, usually by force, right? And 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 doing something that like the people like like, like the people who are not seen and not heard, you know, and the disenfranchised being seen, right? And I think what the show is doing is like like typically the character Issa, if we if we got y'all was the show on a network, Lisa Joyce would be the lead and Issa Rae would be like the third lead or she'd be like, you know, the fifth lead of the show and you would never follow her life, right? Um, but Insecure is saying, no, 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 that black character like in the poster that normally is like the fifth from the middle, that's who we're gonna follow home and we're gonna follow her family. We're gonna follow that, right? So I think like the revolution is, like like we're not asking for permission we're just going to come in and kind of say here's here's our version of how we want to see ourselves right and in that so much change happens right you think about like just Issa getting the show made how many people of color and women get to come to the forefront of television right and in front of the camera behind the camera doesn't really matter right and so I think that's the real part is the is is which I think leads to the evolution right which is which is it gives so many opportunities for other writers of color that may not have gotten a chance on any other HBO show and oftentimes shows with people of color don't get seen the same and I know this for a fact by either white executives or other white showrunners so if you're coming off like I worked on a, I worked on girlfriends for 4 years and when I went to my first like I would say white show they were like we had done almost 200 episodes of television. They were like, oh, I think I know that show. Uh, they, I think, you know, and but like nobody can imagine not knowing like friends. And like the beautiful thing is a show like Insecure kind of crosses that, right? So if you're a black writer who run on Insecure, you can go into a, a showrunner who runs like another high profile show is gonna go, they can't say they don't know that show or have not heard of it, right? So it validates them the, the second they come into the room, right? And I feel like that's the evolution of that, right? but we don't always get those same opportunities, right? And I think that's the evolution of this show is it's creating showrunners and future, you know, head writers and directors to be able to go off and have great careers. Um, so I think that's the way that the evolution of that show and the hopefully like the rippling effects continue. I, I couldn't hope for more. And I'm just already so excited by the changes I've seen. And again, I'm not in this industry and I, I having a more diverse voice and more diverse opportunities is only going to make better entertainment at the end of the day. Um, For sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and okay. I think you're seeing that with like creators like Gloria Calderon, who, who's from one day at a time, who's creating more shows in the Latin community. Obviously we're seeing it much more with, you know, like Sierra Ornales, who does Rutherford Falls. And, and the show like Reservoir Dogs, you know, Taika and those guys, you know, in the, in the Native American community. And I think you're just seeing that like, oh, like networks are like, oh, we can like, we can make more stories and have it run by people that doesn't have to just, that that isn't the obvious, right? Sort of like white, safe, at least for their world, safe 
uh, type of content. And you can see that, I think, starting to happen more and more and more, obviously, like like Billy Porter and Stephen Canals and those guys at Pose. You know, you're just like, I think, just seeing like other voices can be seen and we need to, like to your point, we're only better off with a richer tapestry of shows and creators. The name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. Prentice, yes. what are you absolutely obsessed with? I'm really obsessed with uh, meat, beef specifically. <laughs> so I'm super obsessed right now with like how they grow it. Not, not grow, but how they feed it, what they do. Like I was at a restaurant uh, the other day and I was like, and I thought I'd know a lot about steak and like what the different, what they feed it does to the meat. And I was like, and then I read this thing about this, this Japanese, uh, which obviously everybody knows like Wagyu and all that stuff, but there's so many more things that are like down that rabbit hole. And I went to a restaurant in Pasadena and one of the steaks on there is this like really rare Japanese steak. <clears throat> and it's amazing because all they do is feed it toasted olives and what the olives with the oil and the toast does to the meat is insane. And I was like, this is wild. So I just went down a rabbit hole of like what that does to the meat and like how it imparts a different flavor. And when I tried it, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is like illegal. This should not happen. This shouldn't be like, <laughs> this should not be a thing that's this good. But also like who came up with like, you know, all right, we tried raisins, uh, we tried carrots. Yeah, I don't know. olives, like who came yeah. up with that? Like, I don't know <laughs> why, how that became a thing. God bless the Japanese for figuring it out. Though. Uh, you mentioned before you got your uh, you worked as a writer on the show Girlfriends, um, and and let me make sure I get this right here. Did that end with the writer strike in twenty or two thousand seven, two thousand eight? Yes, it did. I was asking, what was it? I mean, because I remember that being such a big thing. What was it like going through that? What did you take away from it? It's interesting being at the end of two shows that sort of end in weird times. Uh, Cause this season we didn't get to do the writer's room in person because of COVID. So it's weird to like end the show that it sucked to end it that way. And it sucked to end girlfriends in like a strike. And we never, once the strike was over, we thought we'd go back to work and they just canceled the show. So that was like a sucky feeling um, to like to, to have and to experience. And, and although, you know, obviously we got to end insecure in person cause we were filming it, but it still sucked to like not be with the writers in the room. Cause we had so many, so much plans of how we wanted to like, be in the room and things we would do just to like celebrate on the journey, you know, as well. It was also a good reminder, I think young, cause that was the first show I was on like young in my career to be like, things will end, it sucks, but like, it'll be okay. You know, um, I think that's the thing I take from this moment is like, there are so many ways this is gonna suck that Insecure is over, but like, it's okay. Like so many great things came out of it, relationships, dynamics, lessons learned, you know, crafting your, you know, getting better at your craft. So. Um, but I'll never not know these people on girlfriends. And I, you know, I will never not know these people when insecure and we'll always be doing some, some stuff together. I mean, everybody has so much business amongst each other through in different ways and different projects that those connections will always stay, I think, present for sure. Oh, man, I, there's so much more I want to talk with you about, but I do want to wrap up. We do a thing called pick one. I give you a couple of choices and you pick one. It doesn't mean the thing you pick is better than the other thing. So okay. let's play pick one. Okay, right. for the first one I have, I'm really curious about this one. 
Pick one, writing, directing, or show running. Writing still. Because there's nothing more fun than like having the eureka moment about an idea um, from its inception of like being like, this thing didn't exist and now it does. There's something really special about crafting it um, to me, which is like any sort of like, if you're a shoe cobbler and you want to make shoes or you're like, you do like you make a thing and there's just something really fun still to me about just like having my little notebooks, which I like have on my desk and just coming up with like this character or that character or like, nah, I don't like that now. Like there's just something so still so fun about the newness of it and something because it can, it's anything. It can be literally anything at this point. And then all the pain you go through once you like can't let it go. It's just all the life cycles of every writer. I have an idea. I love this idea. I hate this idea. This idea is not so bad. Wait, I hate this idea again. No, it's not that bad. This idea is great. <laughs> you just go through all those cycles of, of that. And I still love I still love being tortured, I guess. No, I, I, I get that. I, I'm a writer too. I used to actually be a playwright and stuff. So I totally relate to that. Um, pick one. <laughs> I can't believe I asked this. Pick one. T-bone, porterhouse, ribeye, filet mignon, or New York strip. Ribeye, ribeye, hundred percent. I, I, I gotta. I know why, but I that's why. Uh, it's the, probably the worst for you, but the fat and the marbling just like make it all good. So if you're gonna do it, do it. This is the last pick one. So uh, pick one. Okay, I got. This is a long one here. Pick one. The first time we meet Issa on Insecure and she's presenting to school kids, or mm -hmm. the best friend song, or when uh, Issa and I believe Nathan go skinny dipping in the pool at her childhood home. Pick one. Oh, in front of the school, in front of the kids. The show didn't originally open that way. The show originally started, the pilot, the way it's written actually starts with the voiceover when she's in her uh, apartment, like at the computer or she's singing in the mirror and, and she's like rapping in the mirror. And then she's like, finds out Daniel's wishing her happy birthday and Lawrence wakes up in the bed that's actually how it starts then it cuts to the school and as we were doing the edit it was kind of like a slow start to like get into the best the best scene was like in the, in the beginning of the show was that kid scene and it was so much fun to film those kids and like we were pitching we were giving them like alternative jokes and they were just crushing it these kids were great and I think that was the first scene we filmed with just Issa and then in the edit, one of our producers was like, we should start with this scene. It's just so much more fun. And you know who she is immediately off this scene. And he was so right. And uh, <laughs> so it just holds a special place in my heart. Like, like the best friend song is great. Uh, like the Nathan moment is cool. Um, but there's something about that first scene where you like immediately know who this character is out the gate. I'm so glad we've been, I think we've been kind of flirting with getting you on our show for a little bit, but I'm so <laughs> glad, it, no, I'm really honest. I'm, I'm just so glad that we were able to talk with you. Thanks. And congratulations on uh, Insecure Cummington and, and nothing but best wishes for you and your family. Thank you so much. You have a great holiday. I want to thank Prentice for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. On December 26th, you can catch the finale of Insecure on HBO and streaming on HBO Max. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox Sowell, and this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleenor. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Follow the show on Twitter at I'm so obsessed pod and until next time, take care.